Section 30 of the Medici, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Medici, Volume 1, by G. F. Young. After Savonarola's death, Florence became more than ever a prey to anarchy. Three different factions, the Ottimati, the Bigi, and the Frateschi, contended unceasingly, and frequent changes in the constitution only produced increased strife. At length, after three years of turmoil, the citizens were driven to a measure which stultified all their action in abolishing the rule of the Medici. They resolved that the only remedy for the evils of the city was the appointment of a gonfaloniere for life, as a sort of permanent dictator. There were various candidates, but, as might have been expected under the conditions which prevailed, instead of a strong man being elected, the majority of the votes were given to a weak one, whom no party had any reason to fear. Piero Soderini, a well-meaning and generally respected man with no strength or ability, was elected, and he remained permanently gonfaloniere during the rest of the period of the interregnum, though owing to his weakness and incapacity, this brought little amelioration of the evils under which Florence groaned. The legal tribunals were utterly corrupt. Crime of every kind was rife. Men of ability kept aloof from public affairs. The great council refused to vote money necessary to meet the financial engagements of the state. Disputes and riots were incessant, and all writers give deplorable accounts of the conditions of the city. Cambi says, Justice no longer existed among the citizens through fear of each other. And Guicciardini remarks, It is difficult to imagine a city so thoroughly shattered and ill-regulated as ours was at this time. This condition of things in Florence naturally caused her to sink into a position of insignificance among the states of Italy. Her foreign affairs were unceasingly mismanaged being in the hands of men who were without any talents for such a task. Yet it was a time when a capable direction of foreign affairs was above all necessary. After Charles VIII's expedition, Pope Alexander VI brought about a league between Rome, Venice, Milan, the Emperor Maximilian, and Henry VII of England against France, a league which threatened the very existence of the French monarchy and of those states, such as Ferrara, Florence, and Bologna, which clung to the French alliance. Louis XII, succeeding to the French throne in 1498, set himself to break up this league, and the campaigns which during the next fourteen years he carried on in succession against Milan, Naples, Venice, and the Pope kept Italy in a state of permanent warfare and threw all states there into confusion. In 1499, Louis XII sent against Milan an army which drove out Il Moro, who fled to Innsbruck to the protection of the Emperor Maximilian. The latter, in this year, married his eldest son, the Archduke Philip, to Joanna, the eldest daughter of Ferdinand and Isabella of Spain a marriage which had important consequences in the next generation. 
In the same year, Florence put to death the only man she possessed who had the talents of a general, Paolo Vitelli. The Republic had sent him with a force to retake Pisa, which Charles VIII had never restored, but the attempt failed, and Vitelli was accused of treachery, recalled, and executed, though it is stated by Guicciardini that he was innocent. In 1500, Il Moro regained Milan, but was soon afterwards captured by the French and carried off to France, where he was imprisoned in the castle of Loche for the remaining eight years of his life, Louis XII taking possession of Milan. In the same year, the combined forces of Spain and France conquered Naples, but this was followed by a dispute over its possession, which brought on a three years' war between them. Nor did central Italy fare any better than the north and south. In the endeavor to establish a sovereignty of central Italy, Caesar Borgia was seizing state after state, thus gaining in succession Imola, Forlì, Urbino, Faenza, Pesaro, Rimini, and Piombino, and making himself the terror of Romagna. In 1501, Caesar Borgia, having gained Faenza by causing its ruler, the young Astorre Manfredi, to be murdered, advanced into the Val d'Arno and threatened Florence. The Signoria ignominiously bought him off by agreeing to appoint him Captain-General of Florence's forces at a fixed salary of 36,000 florins a year. In the same year, Alexander VI, in order to detach Ferrara from the French king, succeeded in bringing about a marriage between his daughter, Lucrezia Borgia, and Alfonso, the eldest son of the Duke of Ferrara. In 1502, Caesar Borgia, who, as the result of various crimes, had now become Duke of Valentino, Duke of Urbino, Duke of Romagna, Prince of Andrea, and Lord of Piombino, informed Florence that her government did not please him, and that she had better amend it. The Signoria, relying on Louis XII's approaching return to Italy, ordered its envoys to temporize, and other events called off Caesar Borgia for a time from attacking Florence. He, however, informed her government significantly that the French king would not be always in Italy. In 1508, Louis XII advanced again into Italy to prosecute his war with Spain for the possession of Naples, but the campaign turned out adversely for the French. This would undoubtedly have brought Caesar Borgia again upon Florence, but just at this juncture Pope Alexander VI suddenly died, Caesar Borgia being at the same time taken dangerously ill. Caesar Borgia, after some time recovered, but only to find all his power broken through the death of the Pope. The very states which he had usurped at once reverted to their original rulers, and Caesar Borgia was eventually arrested by the commander of the Spanish forces in southern Italy, Gonsalvo, and sent as a prisoner to Spain, where four years later he was killed while fighting for the King of Navarre. In December 1508, the French army in southern Italy sustained a crushing defeat at a battle which took place on the river Garigliano. It managed to retreat in great disorder to Gaeta, but was there forced to capitulate and to agree to return to France. This brought the three years' war in southern Italy between France and Spain to an end, 
and Naples and Sicily were annexed by Ferdinand of Spain to the Spanish crown and placed in charge of a viceroy. It was in the above battle that Pietro the Unfortunate lost his life, whereby his next brother, Cardinal Giovanni, became head of the Medici family. Pope Alexander VI was succeeded by Pius III, but he died one month later, and was succeeded by Julius II, Giuliano della Rovere, the celebrated fighting pope, the destroyer of the old St. Peter's, the founder of the new St. Peter's, and the friend and antagonist of Michelangelo. A strong character with many good points, he was fonder of war than of anything else, and was perpetually in the field commanding his forces in person. Italy had now become the battlefield on which France, Spain, and Germany fought perpetually for supremacy, and this strong, fiery old man seized with avidity the opportunity this state of things gave him to indulge his predilection for war. Footnote. His portrait by Raphael hangs in the Uffizi Gallery and is thoroughly characteristic. There is a replica of it also in the Pitti Gallery and another in the National Gallery London. End of footnote. From 1503 to 1507, Julius II was chiefly occupied in subduing in succession the various states of Romagna and forming them into the states of the Church, which he now founded, and which thenceforth remains permanently the temporal dominion of the papacy. In 1508 he turned his arms against Venice, and formed the League of Cambrai, a league entered into by Louis XII, the Emperor Maximilian, Ferdinand of Spain, and himself, to crush the power of Venice, and for partition of her inland dominions. Meanwhile, the fortunes of the Medici family were beginning to emerge from the gloom in which for ten years they had been plunged. On Julius II becoming Pope in 1503, and Giovanni, a man whose good-natured and peaceable disposition had always been contrasted with that of his elder brother, becoming in the same year the head of the family, many who had before looked on the Medici with disfavor became ready to help them, including Pope Julius himself. Nor was the same effect unfelt even in Florence. It was Pietro and his wife who were so specially obnoxious to the Florentines, not the Medici family as a whole. And as time went on, and the effects of the misrule in Florence became more and more intolerable, the number of the citizens who secretly desired the return of this family, now that it was represented by two such characters as Giovanni and his brother Giuliano, grew constantly greater, though none dared to acknowledge this desire, owing to the law which made it death to urge the return of the Medici. Giovanni's behavior and manner of life in Rome was such as to encourage these sentiments. He showed no disposition to interfere in the affairs of the Florentines, though under the incapable rule of Pietro Suderini, they continued in their chronic state of discord and anarchy. He lived plainly, having in fact but little means for ostentation, and often finding it hard to keep out of debt, never desponding, always cheerful, animated, and agreeable in his manners to all, and taking great interest in all matters connected with art and literature, though he had little money himself to spend upon such things. By this course of conduct, 
and by the qualities of his character, which made friends where Pietro only made enemies, Giovanni gradually retrieved the downfall of his family, creating a feeling in their favor both outside and inside Florence, which led a few years later to their being reinstalled in power there. The whole family, including Pietro's widow, Alfonsina, with their two children, Lorenzo and Clarice, were now living in Rome. And in the year 1508, Alfonsina managed to arrange at Rome a marriage between Clarice, now 15, and Filippo Strozzi, the head of the most wealthy and important Florentine family next to the Medici. For thus daring to marry the daughter of a declared rebel and outlaw, Filippo Strozzi was summoned before the Signoria of Florence, heavily fined and banished for three years. But the sentence was a half-hearted one, as we find him back in Florence in little more than a year afterwards. In 1509, as the result of the League of Cambrai, there took place the decisive battle of Agnadello, in which Venice received from the Allies a crushing blow from which she never recovered. Her power had been steadily declining since 1453, and was by this defeat completely broken. And as a consequence, she lost Verona, Padua, Bergamo, Brescia, Cremona, and Piacenza, and became no longer of importance in European politics. In the same year, Florence, after a long siege, recovered Pisa, which had been lost to her for fifteen years. In this year, Henry the Seventh of England died, and was succeeded by his son Henry the Eighth, then eighteen. The latter, in the same year, married Catherine of Aragon daughter of Ferdinand and Isabella, and younger sister of Joanna of Spain. In 1510, Julius II changed sides and allied himself with Spain and Venice against the French, endeavoring to expel the latter from Italy. This brought him into collision with Ferrara in Florence. He first led a successful attack against Mirandola, and then advanced against Ferrara, but was defeated. Meanwhile, Louis XII, retorted by proposing a council to depose the Pope, and demanded from his ally, Florence, that she should allow it to assemble at Pisa. Florence was placed in a dilemma. If she consented, she dreaded the Pope's enmity. If she refused, she would offend Louis XII and lose the protection of the French alliance. Soderini's government was quite incapable of dealing with such a problem, and by vacillation and endeavors to trim between the two opponents, contrived to offend both. Florence agreed to the assembly of the council at Pisa, but refused to permit a French force to enter Pisa to protect the council, and did not send Louis XII the troops she had promised. Julius II now determined to put an end to the inefficient government in Florence and to reinstate the Medici and only waited until he should first have driven the French out of Italy, as by means of the Spanish alliance he hoped soon to do. In the meantime, he appointed Giovanni, his representative with the force of papal and Spanish troops which was then besieging Bologna. End of section 30